Well, last week we explored what it means to have Christ in our life. And the primary focus was on our shared life as Christians, our life within the context of the church. We noted how the peace of Christ acts as an umpire to keep us together and at peace with each other. How the word of Christ, richly dwelling within, enables us to teach and admonish one another and gives us a song. And how the name of Christ, his very reputation, is at stake in everything we say and do. You know, it's vital that he be seen in all we do as the church, the, the bride of Christ who has taken his name. But it is equally important that he be seen in our personal lives as well. And so Paul next takes the principle of doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus and applies it to our homes and our jobs. And in our text for today, Paul briefly reminds us how Christ should affect the basic relationships in the home. And I do emphasize briefly. He expands all of this in his letter to Ephesus. And it's tempting to use Colossians as a springboard to Ephesians in all these matters, but I'm I'm going to try to resist the temptation and keep it brief and to the point. And Paul gives us just one verse each to wives Husbands, children, and fathers. And it begins with a word to the wives. Colossians 3.18 Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Obviously, this is a favorite verse for husbands. At least most of them. At least most of them. You know, I remember one husband-to-be who was shocked when I shared this fact with a couple in premarital counseling. He said, you mean I have to make the decisions? He really didn't like it. When I assured him that he did, that God has ordained an order in the home, and headship does not go to the strongest, the smartest, or the more persuasive, it goes to the husband. That's the way God ordained it. And in doing so, he took away rivalry in the home and competition for position. Wives are to be subject to their husbands. It's a military term that means to rank under. It has nothing to do with intrinsic worth or even whose decision is right. It has to do with who's been given the authority to make the decision. And that authority has been given to husbands in the home. Now, a man is a fool not to listen to his wife, to discuss matters with her, to seek her advice and even delegate certain areas of decision-making to her. 
but she should never usurp his position as head of the household. Also note that Paul does not say husbands are to subject their wives. Wives are to do it voluntarily, as is fitting in the Lord, as is appropriate for someone in the Lord. And it should not be too hard for Christian wives to submit because submission is the Christian way of life. It is fitting for anyone who is in the Lord. We are all called upon to submit to God, to His delegated authorities, and to each other. So submission is not a foreign concept to us. The world may not understand it, and feminists may react against it, but it's a way of life for us. All who call Christ Lord understand submission, or He is not Lord. So when Christian wives are told to be subject to their husbands, They know what it means. And so do their husbands. So let's move on to Paul's word to husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Wives are to submit and husbands are to sacrifice. That's what the word for love demands. Agape is the love that gives, that sacrifices, that acts. It is not a feeling. You cannot command feelings. It is action. Husbands are commanded to love their wives. And I can't resist. I have to use one phrase from Ephesians. As Christ. Loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that mean? It means husbands must be willing to die, to crucify themselves and their personal desires for their wives. That is Christ's. Kind of love. And it's a love that goes beyond 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. You know, love that is patient and kind, not jealous, not arrogant. Love that keeps no record of wrongs and bears all things. We know what love is. We've heard plenty of sermons on it. We just need to do it. To show it. To practice it. Admittedly, it's not easy. It's hard. So hard, in fact, that Paul adds, when showing love as we are commanded to do, husbands must not be embittered against their wives. They must not resent the fact that they are required to give up what they want in order to show Love to their wives. Now, we are all selfish. 
So some resentment is bound to creep in when we have to give up something we really want. But when it does, we stop and remember what Jesus gave up to show love for us. If that doesn't enable us to willingly show sacrificial love to our wives, I don't know what will. So wives, be subject to your husbands, and husbands, love your wives. That may be hard to accept, but it's not hard to understand. And as I said, it's going to be brief, so let's move on to children. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Children are to obey their parents. And do notice this is actually addressed to the children. Paul expected them to be in church when this was read. And he expected them to understand it and to do it. Paul said children are to obey their parents in all things. Now, I don't want to be viewed as disagreeing with an apostle but I do believe he would acknowledge that in all things is a general rule. And I say general rule because there may come a time when children should not obey their parents. If parents order a child to do something that goes against an expressed command of God, and they are old enough to be held personally responsible for obeying God, they may have to respond as Peter did when ordered to stop preaching. Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But I cannot disobey the Lord. Now, we do have to be careful with this. The only justification for a child disobeying a parent is to obey a conflicting, expressed command of God. And again, I stress expressed command. If God has spoken, that must take precedence. The children should never try to justify disobedience to their parents on the basis of what they think God wants them to do. If there's any question about God's will in a situation, children are to obey their parents. And they must do so as long as they are under their authority, until they leave father and mother and cleave to a mate or establish a home of their own. Why? Because it's well-pleasing to the Lord. And the assumption here is that He is your Lord, that you've committed yourself to doing what He says, so you obey your parents as He has commanded. That should be enough, at least for those children old enough to know and understand God's will. That is not to say, however, that obedience will come easy or naturally. We're born with fallen natures, 
in rebellion against God's authority, so children must be taught to obey at a young age. I know I said I'd try to keep from jumping into Ephesians, but Paul said something in Ephesians 6.4 that I believe is vital to understanding parental responsibility when raising children who obey. He said parents are to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction are both vital to good parenting. And I've often shared a diagram that illustrates the balance that should exist between discipline and instruction. And it's a balance that changes as children go from infancy to maturity. It can be viewed as a, a diagonal line that starts at birth and then rises to adulthood. Above the diagonal line is a series of descending arrows that grow smaller as they progress up the line. And beneath it is a series of arrows that grow larger. The arrows on the top are arrows of discipline. The arrows beneath are arrows of instruction. At infancy, discipline is predominant. And instruction is insignificant. But as the child grows older, the arrows of discipline grow smaller and the arrows of instruction increase. When it's time to leave the home, an adult who is no longer under parental discipline emerges as an adult who is now controlled by the instruction that has been received and hopefully by a relationship with Christ. Now, obviously, the sooner children learn to obey and commit themselves to the lordship of Christ, the better. But it's going to take time. It's not an easy transition from rebellion to submission for any of us. And it's not going to be a smooth transition for most of us. There are going to be times of confrontation between parent and child. It's inevitable. But Paul instructs fathers not to exasperate their children. And that is his word to fathers. Verse 31, or 21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. In Ephesians, Paul puts it this way, don't provoke your children to anger. Now, that can be misunderstood as, don't make me mad, give me what I want. Exasperate is much better. It means to frustrate. And do note this is addressed to fathers. Apparently, their headship in the home includes the responsibility for overseeing the development of their children. Paul says fathers must be careful not to exasperate their children, to make them lose heart, to discourage them to the point that they give up on life. So how are children exasperated? It doesn't say. But I think one of the most obvious ways 
has to do with discipline. Exasperation can be the result of too much, too little, or inconsistent discipline. Too much discipline can break a child's spirit by never allowing him to exercise his own judgment and creates an atmosphere that stifles creativity and squelches free expression of love and acceptance. Martin Luther's father was so stern that Luther always found it hard to pray our father. He therefore said, Spare the rod and spoil the child is true, but beside the rod keep an apple to give him when he does well. <laughs> too much discipline can exasperate a child, but so can too little. Take away the boundaries and you take away security. And you take away the sense of being loved and protected. And obviously, discipline that is inconsistent exasperates because kids never know what to expect. Rules that are always changing or enforced one day but not another create nothing but chaos in the home and frustrate everyone. And it should be acknowledged that discipline in today's world is harder and more complex than it has ever been. Things need to be monitored and controlled that didn't even exist a generation ago, even a few years ago. We've recently had our attention called to the need to set limits on video games. Both the kinds of games our kids are playing and the amount of time they're spending on them. Apparently, that's not easy. And it may come with risks that go beyond childish temper tantrums. When he was 14, the police had to be summoned to the home of last week's school shooter because he went totally out of control when his mom took away his Xbox. And it's not just games that need to be monitored. Kirk Cameron has just released a movie based on his experience as a dad who thought it might be a good idea to buy smartphones for all of his kids and then decided to look into the problems caused by their unlimited and unmonitored use. Connect, the movie, will be at Showplace 12 this Tuesday and Thursday for a limited showing. And parents of teens and preteens with phones are highly advised to see it. The details are on the bulletin board out in the hallway. Poorly administered discipline in the home can not only exasperate children, it can endanger them and others. And so can parental expectations that are too low, too high, or not well communicated. If your expectations are too low, your kids will have no sense of self-worth. 
If they're too high, they're doomed to failure. If they're not communicated, kids have no idea what to strive for. So fathers, you've got a big responsibility. One that is going to take an investment of time. Quantity as well as quality. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. That's it. That's what Paul has to say in Colossians about the fundamental relationships in the home and what Christ expects of us. Paul didn't go into great lengths explaining them or illustrating them because he was merely reminding the Christians of things they already knew. And you've no doubt heard most of this before as well. I've preached on it numerous times over the years. We've watched videos and studied books written by experts. We know, we know what God expects of us in the home. And we are well aware of the fact that there is a direct relationship between the breakdown of the family and the violence we see in homes, schools, and society at large. It seems everyone is searching for answers today. And we have them. God has told us how to order our homes, and how to raise our children to be productive members of society. The question we need to answer is simply, are we doing what God has told us to do? Wives, are you submitting your husbands. Husbands, are you loving your wives? Children, are you obeying your parents? And fathers, are you encouraging your children? If not, you are not surrendering to Jesus Christ. You don't need more sermons on family living. You just need to do what you know to do. So will you do it? Will you surrender your all and simply do what the Lord has commanded? I pray we are. Let's stand.